And if it is your first time, we're in week three of a series called Upon This Rock. And I'm excited about what's going to happen in your life over these next several weeks as we stay in this series. Because every year as a church, we gather together to, around the things that we're believing God for. Like I want to help you not to just go into this next year and, and close out this year with just this attitude of, well, you know, whatever happened is going to happen. You know, I hope next year is, is better than this year. No, I want you to go into this next year with faith, believing that God is going to continue to build things in your life, that whatever he has spoken over you, whatever promise he has given you, that what he has started, he will complete. And so we gather as a church around the things that we're believing God to do in our life. And out of that anticipation and expectation, we give an offering of obedience and an offering of faith because we're expecting God to do some great things. And that offering is going to be November 19th. And I'm going to share a little bit more about what some of those things are, are, are going to allow us to do. But just in, in brief, the, that offering that we give that's not like, oh, just so we can cover a budget. That's to do new ministry. That, that, that is to plan new initiatives. That, that's to do new projects because the church is always moving forward. We're advancing. We're, we're, we're growing. And that's what we're doing. As we're building the church, we're building our faith. And we've been looking at different rock stories every week. That's the idea upon this rock. And in the first week, we looked at the solid rock that we're building on as a foundation, that, that the rock is the word of God and we're putting these things into practice. We're not just coming to church, hearing a message and leaving. We are living this out in our life. And we talked about building on the rock the, the first week. Then last week, we looked at a kind of obscure story in 1 Samuel, how God is our helper. And it was a very practical message on how to build your faith that that we need to mark down the faithfulness of God, mark down the miracles, mark down the answered prayer so we can look back and see what God has done. And just as he's been faithful in the past, he'll be faithful in the future to know the places that God has called us to and to know the places that he hasn't called us to. And so just like we've talked about what we're building on and we've talked about how to build it up, today what I want to do is talk to you about what we're building for. And I think this is going to help you. It's going to be a little different than maybe I've, I've done before. Don't always do a message like this, but I think it's really going to help you because I want to give you some faith for the future. And to do that, there's a couple things you need to understand about this message is that this message is not just for you. This message is also for your children. You know, we've got Superhero Sunday going on. We, we baptized King today, which was awesome. We baptized others. But I want you to understand, like, that is going to be a visual illustration of my sermon. When you walk out of these doors today and you see all these kids dressed up and, you, you know, you see the superheroes and having a good time, I want you to understand, like, we're a church that is investing in the next generation. We're a church that believes that Church should be fun for kids where they should not just be entertained, but they should be learning about Jesus and growing in the word of God and growing in the truth of God's word. So I want to speak really to God's heart for you, God's heart for your family, God's heart for your future and God's heart for our church. And to do that, I want us to open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. If you have your Bible with you, you can open it up there and 
follow along. I'll be reading from the NIV translation. If you have a phone, you can always download the Bible app on your phone. And that's a great way to take God's word with you and engage that way. But in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is giving a teaching that is really in response to a question that the disciples asked. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It says, he called a little child to him, and he placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Notice what he says next. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. It's getting serious. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come. But woe to the person through whom they come. Some of you didn't know that Jesus could be so stone cold. These are some heavy hitting words. These are some weighty words that he's giving to the disciples. I know generally like we think of Jesus as this nice, gentle, kind, never offending anybody kind of figure. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. That's, that's not Jesus. Now, he's loving, absolutely. He's caring, 100%. He did good to people, did good for people. His heart was moved with compassion towards those that were hurting, absolutely. But Jesus never minced words when it came to giving them the truth of the gospel. And what we see in this passage is that Jesus gives a weighty warning by relating a message to a millstone. Now, I realize you might not know what a millstone is yet, but before we're done, I'll, I'll talk to you about it. And I want to use this passage today to talk to you from this subject, stumbling block or stepping stone. That's the title of my sermon. It's really this question of are you going to put a stumbling block or are you going to provide a stepping stone? I don't know, maybe it's because of the fun activities going on or just my kids always trying to figure out what they were going to dress up as for, for Halloween. But I, I'm reminded about how, as a kid, all of us kind of dream about what we're going to be when we grow up. You guys remember that? You remember what being a kid, like, what do I want to be when I grow up? How many of you, I see you nodding your head, just, just shout it out. You're, you're shaking your head. You don't, you never wanted to be anything when you grew up. That's right, God's got time for you. So uh, have, just shout it out at me a little bit. Like, like what, what did you want to be when you grew up? Police officer, a ninja turtle. I like that one. A farmer. All right. All, all sorts of good things. I wanted to be a spy. International espionage. I think it's from watching a lot of... James Bond movies, Mission Impossible shows. I just thought I wanted to have the guy. There were lots of things, you know, for, for a season. I, uh, I wanted to, to be a fashion designer. 
Surprise, maybe a model. Don't laugh at that. Come on, that's hurtful. It's funny, the things that, you know, we kind of shifts over the course of our life. I, I like asking my kids what they want to be when they grow up, though, because it gives you insight into their passion. Like, like Pippa, I, I've asked her, and it used, she used to say a princess. Now she wants to be a pop star. I think she's got a better chance of being a princess, to tell you the truth. Um, it worked for, you know, Kate Middleton. So uh, but Reese, he, he, he's, he's changed. He, he used to always tell me he wanted to be a YouTuber. Thank God he changed. Now he told me he wants to, um, he wants to start a company. Um, and so that's good. That's, I'm, I'm proud of you, Reese. That's a great, great thing to do. Grant has been, he's my youngest son. He's been Mr. Consistent. Uh, every time I've asked him, he's always said that I want to be a pastor when I grow up. So I gave him 20 bucks just to sow into his ministry. <laughs> anytime somebody wants to, wants to, yeah, anytime somebody wants to do ministry, you just, just bless the man of God. Um, it's funny because Oliver has been all over the place. And like he said, you know, I, I want to be an athlete. I want to be a basketball player. Probably genetics are not in his favor, but he's growing, you know. But, but most recently he just said, I want to be rich. And it doesn't really matter. But then he saw that I gave Grant 20 bucks, so he changed it to I want to be a pastor. So he's trying to, uh, to make that happen. But it's just funny what creates our sense of significance as a kid. And that there's something about that childlike innocence that Jesus wants to draw us to in Matthew chapter 18. Because in Matthew 18, Jesus is pointing us to a child to help us understand a very important lesson. And it's all in response to the disciples' original question, Jesus, how can I become the greatest? Now, what I appreciate about Jesus' response is the disciples ask this question and Jesus doesn't respond like most of us think he would respond because we have this idea that we shouldn't ever want to have ambition or be great. Like, notice Jesus didn't say, how dare you want to be great? You want to be, you want to be the greatest? You need to think about being the last. That's how most of us think Jesus would respond. But no, he, he doesn't do that. He, he, in fact, I, I think he probably smiles when they ask this question. That The same way we smile when our children tell us what they want to be when they grow up because he recognizes inside of all of us there's this desire to do something that's significant. And just as an aside to my message, I want to tell you, if you have in your heart to do something that matters, if you have in your heart to do something great, if you have in your heart to do something significant, you don't have to apologize for that. That desire is put in you by God. God is not offended if you have in you, I want to be the greatest at this thing. That desire is put in you by God. And, and, and so if that's, that's in you, recognize, like, even when we look at Jesus, one thing we see with him is, is that, you know, everything he did from preaching sermons to working miracles to leading people, he did so as the greatest. One of the things people said about Jesus is you do all things well. It's okay to have those desires, but what I want to help you recognize today is that if you really want to do something that's significant, if you really want to do something that's going to matter, we're going to first have to take the position of a child. That's what he said, right? Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, what does that mean to take the position of a child? Well, two things that I think we could look at. There's a posture and there's a perspective. Posture. Think about this for a minute. Like, one thing every child has to do for their parent is approach them from a place of dependence on their grace. Like, my kids never come to me on the basis of merit or with the idea that they have to earn something. I have never heard them utter out of their mouth, Dad, have I been good enough to get some candy? That is never something they say. It's, Dad, can I have some candy? They're not thinking about earning it. They're not thinking about merit. They are not thinking about their behavior. They're just like, can I have it? They know their position is coming from a place of dependence on my grace. So clearly, before we get into the message, I just want to acknowledge that Jesus is talking about a posture, that there's an indication of humility, that there's there's an implication of of grace, that there is an intimation of trust. It's a posture. But there's also a perspective. And that's really what I want to frame up for you today. This idea of doing something that matters, this idea of doing something that's significant, I want you to realize that the greatest things we can do for the kingdom are things that impact our kids. The greatest things we can do for the kingdom are things that impact our youth. And I'm not saying this like this isn't a message if you're a parent. I'm saying as a church... We need to see ourselves as building a church with kids at the forefront. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but Jesus had a ministry to children. Jesus had a kids ministry. We're in the Gospel of Matthew. Just in Matthew alone, there are seven different times where Jesus ministers to kids. If you look at his ministry, there are many times where he is investing in kids. He is involving kids. He's impacting kids. He's inviting kids. He's helping kids. He's healing kids. He's creating a space where kids are welcome. We see him raise a girl from the dead. We see him cast a demon out of a boy. We see him use kids as an illustration. We see him involve them in his teaching. We see kids present at significant moments in his ministry. So as we think about building the church... As we think about giving in this offering, November 19th, I want you to think about what we're giving to and what we're building for. We are building something that is going to outlast us. We need to realize when you walk out and there are kids that are running all over here today, those kids are the future leaders of this church. They are the future worship leaders They are the future group leaders. They they are the future financial leaders. They are the future office administrators. They are the future staff. They are the future production team. Those kids around here are the future leaders of this church. So we, we have to have this mindset that ministry, and in particular kids ministry, is not just a side part of our church. It's not babysitting. It's not daycare. It's not, hey, let's keep them entertained so we don't have any distractions in the real service. That's not what this is about. We are raising up the next generation 
of leaders and world changers and church builders. That, that means it needs to be a place that we serve. We need to serve in the kids' ministry, serve in our youth ministry. It needs to be a place that we support financially. That means if you're a parent or a grandparent in the room, you need to prioritize bringing your kids to church and getting them to church because it matters to God. Parenting is a privilege. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like a privilege, but we need to see it as a privilege. We need to see it as a calling. We need to see it as an honor. I know, I know sometimes it's hard. That doesn't mean that it's easy just because it's a privilege. But having this mindset is crucial to your role as a parent. Because one thing we see clearly throughout Scripture, we see it throughout the Old Testament, we see it in the New Testament, in the Gospels, in the example of Jesus, in the words of Jesus, is that the greatest role as a parent, the greatest thing we can do, there's no greater value than our children. The greatest thing we can do is to guide our children into the ways of God. I want to just encourage every parent here, you need to continue to speak words of blessing over your kids. You need to continue to pray for your kids. That doesn't stop when they turn 18. You, you need to continue to encourage them and guide them in the truth of Scripture. And above all things, you need to help your kids see themselves as part of God's great church. Can you hand me that, Rachel? Thank you. You might not know this, but I want everybody to know, like, when you bring your kids here, we are training your kids to be givers. We're training our kids to be givers. Here's why. First of all, it's great to do it at a young age because at a young age you realize that you don't own anything. Everything you have comes because of the benefit of somebody else. And so we teach our kids, hey, as you receive, you need to make sure that you're honoring what you receive. You need to make sure you're honoring God with what you receive. And so when they come and, and we teach them to give and they bring an offering, they get one of these, the first time they give, they get one of these. This is that everything that happens in the kids' offering actually goes to help other kids in another part of the world. We have a care point in the Dominican Republic. So we have like, we're doing some stuff there. We've got a mission trip going there in just a couple months. And, and what the kids give in their offering is going to help those kids in another part of the world. It's the, the World Changer Bank. But as we talk about our offering in November, one thing that happens every year, we've got like a handful of kids that will empty out their piggy bank and give in this offering. And I gotta tell you, those gifts mean just as much to me as the significant gifts that move our church forward financially. Because those gifts that move our church forward financially is for those kids that are emptying their piggy banks. Like we're building world changers. What we're teaching them that, I'll give this back to you, that they are the, nice hands, that, that they are the, the future leaders of the church. And the reason this has to be primary to our mission is because when we honor kids, it honors Jesus. When we prioritize kids, we're prioritizing what's important to Jesus. When we welcome kids, look at what Jesus said. It says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Now, we're a young church. I mean, we've got like a lot of college students, a lot of young professionals in our church. And I know it's easy to think like, okay, 
why does this matter to me? Because I'll tell you, for, for everybody who's not a parent, not a grandparent, you don't have a kid in your life, one thing I know about you is that all of us, we're trying to think, how do we get to the next level? How do we get to the place where we're making it? How do we get to this, the place where we're doing something significant, something that matters? And one thing I know from lots of conversations with our young adults and young community and, and young professionals is there's this mindset of if I can just meet somebody that'll open up a door, if I can just make a connection that'll, that'll introduce me to the right relationship, if I can just make that you know, connection with somebody that, that will help me get to the next level, that's what I need in my life right now. Well, who has more power, more resource, more ability, more willingness to do something for you than Jesus? He wants to help you, but you know what? He's not going to go where he's not welcome. And just as a principle in your life, young professionals, college students, who you're wanting, how do I make that connection with somebody? You want to make a connection with somebody? It begins by valuing what they value. It's a great life principle. It's a pro tip, life hack, whatever you want to call it. Write it down. It'll help you in life. You want to get to know somebody? You want somebody, you want to have insurance into somebody's life? Begin to value what they value. When you value what they value, it opens up their heart to you. You spend time doing things. Well, what does Jesus value? He's valuing the children. We said, so why should you care about the kids in our church? Because Jesus has the power and ability to do the things that you need. And when you welcome kids, you welcome him. That's why we need to have a generational mindset. You see, we are building the church, but the church is not a sprint. And contrary to what people think, the church is not a marathon. The church is a relay. We're building something that we are going to hand off to a future generation. That's why God wants the church to grow in every generation. God's plan is that the church would get stronger in every generation. If the church has to start over from one generation to the next, there's not going to be any traction. Now, I know our church is relatively young in its history and existence. But can I tell you, I am glad that there is a generation that came before us, that there is a generation that was sowing seeds to make what we do possible. My pastor, Pastor Kevin, he puts it this way, that to have a generational mindset is to think three. You have to think three generations deep. Proverbs 13, 22 says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I mean, you're, you're not just thinking about the next generation. You're thinking about the generation beyond them. That's the kind of church we are. We are a hundred-year-old church in the making. We are a church that is going to outlast every single one of us in this room. And, and just to speak to all the parents and grandparents, I want you to know I care about your kids. As your pastor, I care about your kids. When there's stuff going on in their life, I want you to write that down on the connection card because I look at all of those and I pray for all of those and I want to pray for your kids. I want to pray for their salvation if they're far from God. I want to pray for the things that are, are heavy, that they're going through, the things that you're dealing with as a parent. I care about your kids, but, but more than me caring about your kids, you need to know God cares about your kids. The Bible calls your children a gift. 
The Bible calls your children a blessing. The Bible calls your children a reward. I know sometimes they feel more like payback than a reward, but they're, they're a reward. The Bible tells us that your children are known, loved, and planned by God. I want to read Psalm 139. Look at what it says. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Look at verse 16. It says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Grasp this. As parents, we introduce our children to God, but we don't introduce God to our children. He knew your children before you did. He had a plan for them before you did. He has a plan for them. That's why we want every child, we want every child who's conceived to be given an opportunity for life. This isn't like the only scripture on this, by the way. There are dozens of scripture in the Bible that talk about how God places value and purpose on every life, the lives of children while they're still in the, room, in the womb. And it's because God has placed purpose, placed value on every child that I want to read to you the next part of this verse. It's the main verse that, that we read. Jesus says, if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. God, what are we supposed to take from this? That God takes seriously negative influences on our children. God is concerned about what our kids are being taught, how they are being trained, and whether or not they are being tripped up. That's what it means to stumble. Now, it's not immediately evident in some of the English translations, at least not this one that we read. But Jesus is actually making a connection point and a play on words with stones. He's not really talking about just being tripped up. He's saying people who would place a stumbling stone in front of kids, they would be better off getting a millstone. What's a millstone? Well, in Bible times, everybody would have been familiar with a millstone. Millstone was extremely hard, exceedingly heavy. It was a big round stone used to grind grain. Lots of times, well, there were actually two stones. There was the, the bed stone, but then the millstone was a big wheel that was pulled by typically a donkey, sometimes two animals. That's how big it was to grind this grain as it goes in a circle. And Jesus said, hey, the people that want to put a stumbling stone in front of kids to harm them, to trip them up and what they believe, they would be better off grabbing a millstone. That's how serious this is to me. They're being taught, how they're being trained. The truth is there is a lot of stuff in our world right now that is being put in front of our kids that is tripping them up in what they believe. There's stuff that is intentional. There's stuff that is evil. There is stuff that is an affront to God. As Christians, we don't have to be afraid of it. 
we're building our house on the rock. We know where we stand. And when problems come and things come, we're going to be secure. We're going to stand strong. We're going to weather the storms. But we also need to be wise about what's going on. We need to recognize God takes seriously the training of our children. When they're being taught things like gender is fluid, when they're being sexualized at a young age, that is offensive to God. Now, this is not, don't mishear me, I'm not talking about a blue and red issue. I'm talking about a Bible issue. This is a Bible issue. I'm trying to show you the words of Jesus to underscore how serious this is, how he feels about people who wrongly influence our kids, who tell them lies, who pervert truth, who trip them up in their beliefs. That matters to God. And so part of what we do when we say we are building the church and we are building families and we are raising up the next generation of leaders, of world changers, of church builders, you need to recognize that the way we do that is by removing the stumbling blocks and providing stepping stones. That's what we have an opportunity to do. We have an opportunity to build the church. We confront lies with the truth and we provide a path for the next generation to follow. That, that's what a stepping stone is. It's a firm foundation. It is solid ground. It is a platform that is raised above the currents of the culture so that people don't misstep and get swept away and caught in the current and overtaken by what's going on. We provide stepping stones. We provide stepping stones. As we're building our faith and we're thinking about the future, I want you to know that God is raising up young leaders in our house. God is raising up people that are going to be influencers, people who will represent God's kingdom. Some are going to be educators. Some are going to be financial leaders. Some are going to be pastors in this house. So some are going to be youth leaders who are going to be unintimidated by culture because they grew up in a spiritual house like this. Our focus has to stay on that. That's why we got to continue to have a big vision. We got to continue to pray big prayers. We got to continue to give big gifts because what we're doing matters. We're, we're doing something that is going to outlast us. We're doing something that God calls great. And I'm just reminded that Jesus said the way this all starts how do you even get to this place? He said, unless you change and become like a little child, you won't get it. 